1: And we welcome you back to Scrambled. I'm your co-host, Chad Douglas.
0: And I'm Nikki Shields. This is episode two, and we're focusing on what we want to accomplish with this podcast, or why it's so very important to talk about mental health and how to get the conversation started.
1: So in this episode, we're going to start unpacking what keeps people from talking about mental health, as well as why we should definitely do more of that.
0: Well, let's jump right in. Okay. First of all, there has been a stigma associated with mental health for a long time.
1: Yeah, that's an understatement, right? Why don't people talk about anxiety, depression, mental health in general? If you can't see, you go and you get glasses. If you have diabetes, you get insulin. You have a mental illness, sadly, people suffer in silence. Why is that, Nikki?
0: I think there are a lot of reasons for this. I don't, I don't think it's a simple thing to unpack, but I think there are some specific things that we can look at first. Um, Mental illness and emotional or behavioral issues are often associated with weakness and many people feel ashamed even to admit that they have a mental health problem to their closest friends and families, let alone seek help for them. Mm. I think this starts in early childhood phrases like, you're fine. It's not that big a deal. I'll give you something to cry about. Mm. Buck up. Or, I don't know what you're so upset about. It's not that big a deal.
1: I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah, I mean.
0: (laughs) I might have heard that a time or two when I grew up. (laughs) But those are all things that are said by well-meaning people in an attempt to make you feel better. But what actually happens is that a lifetime of hearing these things results in you learning to ignore your emotions. So
1: let me ask this then. If, if, hearing those things of, oh, you're fine or you're mm-hmm. overreacting or something. But is that not the parent's way of saying it's okay? Mm-hmm. So wh- where's the the fine line?
0: So it, it is a thin line. You're absolutely right. Because on the one hand, it is our job as parents to calm our children, help them know that the thing that they're upset about really probably isn't a crisis. Um, but they also, our children need to learn to trust their own assessment of things too. And if every single time they're upset, somebody says, ah, I don't know why you're so upset. That's not that big a deal. Stop worrying so much. Right makes you not trust your own internal uh, sense of things and so it's hard as a parent to know what should you minimize what should you pay close attention to and we'll have some tips and tricks for that as we go along
1: and words i mean it's you know it's a tube of toothpaste once they come out you're not cramming them back in (laughs) you sure can so so using those words carefully and it's simple Mm -hmm. as going like oh what's the matter Mm -hmm. well then it sounds like something's wrong with them so Mm -hmm. and i'll throw out oprah because i got this from from her thing it's it's ask what happened is is the, the phrase you should use. So instead of what's wrong or what's the matter, it's what happened. Yes,
0: I love that.
1: And let them tell you and then you right? can kind of assess. From and,
0: there. and that's actually, I mean, it's it's brilliant because that allows the child to then describe and sort of assess for themselves instead of looking to you to decide if they're okay or not. Right, They get to learn to make
1: that decision. Kids are smart, they can mm-hmm. communicate. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, And the thing is that our difficult or painful emotions, they're there for a reason. And if someone who's bigger, older, smarter, or more powerful than you says you're fine or you're overreacting, you just kind of learn to disregard those emotions. And so then things get shoved under the rug, repressed, ignored, minimized but they don't go away. Mm -mm. Um, And this pattern can result in very real emotional symptoms. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. (laughs) I get excited when we talk about emotions. Um, But we'll get more into the function of our emotions in a future episode. But my point is that from a very early age, we're taught that struggling or experiencing strong emotions is something to hide from others so that we don't get in trouble or appear weak. Wow. And uh, we don't want anyone to know that we struggle because we're afraid that we'll lose important things. Um, our stuff, our friends, our privileges, our respect, our spouses, our jobs. And so in this podcast, we're gonna focus on children's mental health issues. And I think it's important to mention that a primary reason why talking about our children's emotional difficulties can be so hard is is that behavior is the primary way that kids um, communicate. And they don't usually have the vocabulary um, or the cognitive skills to sort out all these new complicated emotions that roll through their little bodies. So behavior is what we see. And kids that are having mental health concerns are not usually behaving in what we would consider socially acceptable ways. So Chad, I think you mentioned something about this in the first episode that, you know, if you're, you're in church and your kid is having a tantrum or, or you know, being loud or having a hard time, um, others might be quick to judge and say, hey, you know, you need to discipline that child. Um, but if you're you know your child is struggling with an emotional difficulty discipline isn't necessarily what they need
1: so a a quick story on that this happened at church and this was as we we knew my son had anxiety but we weren't fully aware of everything that happens medicine hadn't come along yet to the prescription that we needed and so he is laying under the pew um, and it's i think the second sunday of advent we're catholic and even my daughter who's Normally, pretty well behaved, is just moving all over the place, and I'm sitting there going, "The church is packed, and I feel all these eyes of me on me. Of like, why isn't this guy disciplining his children?" So we get in the car, and I lost it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I am ticked. So we come home, and gave the kids some space. I took some space. They come and get me. and They go, "Dad, we're ready to talk now." I wasn't ready to talk, but I'm like, "Okay, they're taking the lead. I'm going to take it." We came down to the basement, and I had them explain what they were doing. And I thought, I'm gonna put him in their place. What was the sermon about today, kids? And they told me, and they were right. So my son was listening, even though he was under that pew, mm-hmm. acting like he wasn't. Mm-hmm. That was a big light bulb yeah. moment because then as he went into school and we would get reports of, of him being fidgety or, or stuff, I kept telling the teachers, I'm like, he's listening. And the teachers that got anxiety would say, absolutely he is because mm-hmm. when we ask him about it or on tests, he knows his stuff. Mm-hmm but his actions, his behavior says something different. That's right.
0: And and so because our behavior is showing what's what's going on under the surface, and historically we have looked at these as problem behaviors mm-hmm. or behaviors that require discipline, you know, we, we kind of miss that. And so talking about children's mental health means we're gonna talk about their behaviors. And you know, I've been a parent for 13 years now, and it's hard for me to admit that my child might have a bad behavior, because you know what that might mean? Maybe I'm not a good parent.
1: Yeah, or what others are going to think of you. Yeah, how are they going to judge me? We've actually said that mm-hmm. to our kids. Like, when we're out in public, like, people judge us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I it was on TV for 22 years, so my wife would always take the disciplinary in public <laughs> just because you get either people being like, well, that guy on TV doesn't discipline <laughs> his kids, or he's too mean to his kids. Mm-hmm. You're just never going to win. Mm-hmm. So she would always do that. Now it's a little more. But we've I've actually said that to the kids. I'm like, other parents look mm-hmm. at us and go, you guys are awful. <laughs> so I'm like, let's just – let's just – act the way we need to act. Yeah. Well, and, and doing
0: what I do for a living as a counselor you know people ask me for help with their children's behavior absolutely. all the time so we'd be in public and my kids would act up and, and it wasn't just bad behavior there was usually a good reason for it but mm-hmm. I would be like do you guys know what I do for a living yeah. you can't act like this <laughs> people are gonna think you know so we worry about that judgment and that judgment is what keeps us from sharing with friends or family yeah. or teachers or professionals or whoever that our kids are having a hard time so
1: we just fixed everything people stop judging
0: stop judging Yeah, we've we fixed the world be nice <laughs> be <Yeah>.
1: nice <laughs> be kind absolutely and
0: and what happens happens if you you do kind of get into that pattern where people are judging or they're giving unwanted advice you know that how Mm -hmm. that happens Um, you start to avoid social situations and and other people who might judge or who won't understand Um, and so that just kind of increases the stress for everybody involved and there's probably a lot more reasons than that Um, but I think not wanting to appear weak and worrying about the judgment are of others are some of the most common reasons that we don't talk about mental health for adult or children
1: absolutely and we did that with my son when he was younger uh family parties Mm -hmm. his birthday and he would you know do his thing and so we're like oh my gosh the family's going to judge us of of why is he doing this why is he being this way so we got to where on his birthday he opens presents first Mm -hmm. then he played with his toys he was distracted not knowing he was a ball of anxiety inside Mm -hmm. we're just like what's what's going on so it's it's a matter of just figuring out your child, which is hard mm-hmm. as they grow up and develop their own personalities. So it's like learning a new language. Yeah, right. Um, how do we? How do we start the conversation? Then where does the conversation start? Who do you know? Uh, someone in which to confide. How do you find that person? <laughs> this is another
0: one where I have a lot of complicated answers for you. <laughs> um, but I think the conversation has to start with each of us realizing all the energy we spend trying to cover up our struggles. And and that makes it hard to see that everyone else is doing the same thing. So while I'm in the, you know Walmart upset with my kids' behavior thinking, oh, I hope these people don't judge me, the people in line that I'm worried about judging me are actually worried about their kids doing the same sure. thing. And they're, they're kind of in that so, same place in their head. So once we get past that fear of being judged, we have really no place to go but up. Um, Sometimes the conversation starts with your doctor or a mental health professional. Sometimes it starts with a trusted friend or family member. Um, But for most people, once you tell someone your story, your struggle, your family's struggle, it's easier to tell the next person. If you're a parent struggling with a child with anxiety, depression, or another mental health problem, remember you are 100% not alone. All those parents you're worried about that will judge you you are carrying around their own version of the same story so you know like i said before you're you're worried that they're judging you they're worried that you're judging them and nobody's really paying attention to anyone else if you can't find a family member or friend that you feel comfortable talking with about this reach out to a doctor primary care physicians and pediatricians know a great deal about mental health
1: and they help people with this every day and finding the right doctor who's going to uh, (laughs) go down that path um, one thing I think I, I need to say here, too, is my son, who's 11, has my, has. my we have his full permission to talk, but it's mm-hmm. not going to be all about him. I know many other families, because of him, that uh, live with anxiety. And once we started to say things um, to people of like, oh, he has anxiety, and every person I said to was like, oh, my daughter had that. Mm-hmm. My mom was this. My brother was this way. Every single person. And I'm just like, wow, when you talk yeah. about it, and then you, you realize – you can carry on good conversations with people because you share the same struggle.
0: It's not an exaggeration to say that almost everyone you run into has their own version of the same story. Absolutely. And and I just, I remember how liberating it was the first time I met a parent of kids who are about the same age as my kids. And she was telling some story about one of the kiddos and I just looked over at my husband and I was like, that's normal. All kids do that. (laughs) And it was such a uniting moment and I just, I felt so much better about everything. But um, oftentimes kids who are experiencing mental health issues... We just assume nobody else is going to get that. They don't have that experience. They can't
1: possibly know what we're going to go through. And it's out there. People yeah, know. Is. Which is, you know, how sad for the kid you know, mm-hmm. and for the family and everyone. So what does it do when you have pop culture stars? Simone Biles made news this, winter, or this summer with the Olympics. Um, Ryan Reynolds, I've heard talk about mm-hmm. it. Sean Mendez, Alessia Cara, other uh, pop culture stars opening up and talking about how they live with anxiety. What does that do to society as a whole then? Well,
0: I mean, there have been just an amazing number of celebrities opening up about their mental health struggles or writing about it. You mentioned Oprah and her, yeah. fra- the, the book that she wrote with Bruce Perry. Yeah, and and it's a wonderful book, and it just, it, it's such a a cool thing to see somebody with a name um, that everyone knows, a household name, talking about it. And Oprah wrote just an amazing book. Um, but when, we, when people we look up to or see as strong, normalized struggle, it gives us permission to share and ultimately face our struggles, too. I hope to see this trend continue. When Simone Biles bowed out of a competition and shared that it was for mental health reasons, I could almost hear a generation of girls learning that it's okay to take care of yourself, to pause on your way to a goal.
1: It was interesting to watch uh, social media, and don't get me started on that, but just to see the comments of people, and you would see, like, there is a big divide Mm -hmm. when it comes to understanding mental health.
0: Yeah.
1: And people think of athletes, singers, actors as these icons. They're human beings. Mm -hmm. They have struggles just like everyone else, Mm -hmm. and... Kudos to the ones who are brave enough to get out and and talk about it and and make it, quote-unquote, normal. That's right. It's almost a weird word to say these days. Yeah. So going back to um, finding someone to trust, what do you do if you don't get a great reaction on someone you thought you trusted? So,
0: you know what? My response to this might seem kind of hardcore. Okay. If you don't get a re- great reaction or someone you're trying to put your trust in, if someone is less than supportive when you try to talk to them about your mental health or any other sensitive subject, for that matter, they aren't your person. Mm-hmm. People are hardwired with impony, impony, <laughs> empanadas. They're hardwired <laughs> with empanadas. Mm, um great empathy for one another, but some people don't apply it effectively. Um, you don't have to take it personally, though. It's honestly more likely that their own mental health issues are blocking them from being able to be a support to you. It is definitely not evidence that you should stop trying to share your story.
1: Interesting. So what can you do to someone with anxiety or depression if they keep it to themselves? What can it do if they just keep it bottled up?
0: Well, that's where the trouble really starts, Chad. Mm-hmm. What happens if you try to keep something a secret, something bad?
1: i <sighs> trying to think of the last secret I kept.
0: You don't keep a lot of those. (laughs) Um,
1: I do. I'm a very good secret keeper, actually. But something bad, I would think that would just eat at me. I would lose Mm -hmm. sleep. Um, Yeah, that would be very stressful.
0: grows and grows like this big dark thing in your mind mm-hmm. and you you know it makes you feel paranoid and it makes you worry what what other people know and can they read your mind and you can't remember what the truth is anymore when you when you hold on to something like that and that's kind of the same way with with an emotional symptom or something that you feel like might be wrong with you if you're not sharing it you're not fact checking you're not asking someone else if they've ever, ever had that same experience you it just it just grows it has nowhere to go and that's when we really start to see symptoms leak out that's when depression becomes unbearable. That's when anxiety, you know, takes over and keeps you from being able to do the things that you need to do. And so um, not telling someone when you're having a hard time is just the best way to feel so much worse.
1: And we'll get into symptoms um, and signs and symptoms of anxiety and depression and and stuff in future episodes and how to kind of deal with those and combat them. But one of my least favorite subjects of all time, Nikki, is math. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you remember Venn diagrams from geometry. Mm -hmm sorry, cold chill. (laughs) You have a Uh, a tick developing. Yeah, geometry. Uh, um, Those three conditions, anxiety, depression, and OCD, live in a Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes when you treat anxiety with medication or therapy or whatnot, symptoms of depression flare up. So then you treat that, and then here comes that OCD, that obsessive compulsive Mm -hmm. disorder, or that just like chronic thinking. And and when you're left alone with those thoughts, and that OCD especially, Mm -hmm. then you're thinking like, I can't tell someone I'm nervous. And it just eats it you would eat it, it and then you start doesn't. feeling like you're not good enough mm-hmm. you're not loved mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things you can think which leads down to depression and that can get very, very yeah. serious.
0: So, you know, keeping a secret doesn't feel good and it can make things worse. And so if a run of the mill secret makes you anxious or worried, imagine what you're keeping your emotional difficulties secret can do. We start to feel ashamed. We avoid doing things we enjoy. We assume that everyone knows or suspects something. And basically our symptoms just increase until something pops. This can be harmful to important relationships or even dangerous. When people keep this kind of thing to themselves, they sort of lose touch with reality and everything seems worse than it is. When you don't talk about it, you make the false assumption that no one gets it or could possibly understand what you're going through. And after nearly 18 years of clinical practice, I can tell you that there are very few things you can experience that the people around you haven't also been through at some
1: point in time. So who starts this conversation? Is it the person? Is it the child with anxiety or depression? Or is it a friend or family member who sees signs and symptoms? I think any of the above okay. is appropriate. It can be very difficult to approach someone you care about that's
0: having a mental health problem, but if the people we love won't do this for us, who can we count on? Right. To the extent that someone can, though, especially if their symptoms are invisible, mm. it often needs to start with a person or family that is experiencing this struggle. What many people don't realize is that by being open, sharing our stories, we can help others do the same.
1: Yeah, a Band-Aid's not going to fix this. Nope. say something's visible. You can't see the bruise nope. or the, the scratch. So who's part of the conversation
0: conversations about mental health need to include the family the individual the physicians counselors friends whoever's involved and can be helpful in the person's support system Um, but it also depends on the person and their individual situation and and the thing about mental health is I, I think the the most successful outcomes are the folks who have supports at home at school at work in all areas of their life and and when you don't talk about it you can't obtain those supports
1: you don't know who's there for you is this something, anxiety as a whole, can it be cured?
0: So that's a really hard question to unpack, and let me tell you why. Um, as we mentioned in the first episode, we all have anxiety, mm-hmm. we all need anxiety, and so if we just go based on the anxiety as something that motivates and protects us, no, you can't cure it. It's always gonna be there, and, and if you do it right, you're gonna have anxiety for the rest of your life. The part we can so-called cure, and I'm using air quotes, mm-hmm. is the debilitating part. Mm-hmm. The part that, that shuts you down and makes it so you can't move. The part that makes it so you aren't able to enjoy what you're doing anymore. That part we can work with. And depending on the person and the ultimate cause of it, yeah. There's there's definitely some ways to get you know to a place where um,
1: it's no longer getting in way. And then can you develop it or are you born with it and it just rears its... <laughs> ugly head at some point because some something's triggered you or you've had some trauma in your life.
0: Yes. All of the above. Okay. Sometimes I think kids are just born with a little bit higher dose of this necessary emotional thing that we have. Um, But for other people, it is based on an experience or or like my own story was a series of events that kind of led up to that. But it was also probably a little bit of hard wiring too. It was probably born with a predisposition for it. So I think um, for most people, if you sit down and you go, I'm having a problem with anxiety, it's not usually just one factor. It's usually some stressors, some experiences, but also maybe some genetics that
1: play a role too. A term I haven't heard used in a couple decades, I kind of go back to maybe the 90s, was chemical imbalance.
0: Oh yeah, that's a
1: fun one. Is that a a thing
0: so the the thing about that phrase is there's no way to measure it now, there have been a lot of studies that show that um, the neurotransmitters in our brain, when we have too much of one or not enough of another, that that can, you know, be associated with or correlated with some symptoms, some depression or anxiety symptoms. But it's hard because you can't necessarily take a blood test to tell you hmm. that you have a chemical imbalance. Um, I tend to think of it more as just the way you're wired, that there's just certain things that wired together in your brain in a way that create, you know, this this extra anxiety um, And so, and I don't hear the term chemical imbalance as much. I I like what you said. It was really more in the 90s. And I think what we realized is that that term doesn't help us find a solution.
1: But at least started some conversations. It it definitely was
0: better than nothing. Wait,
1: was it 20 years ago or 30 years ago? I don't want to think about it. (laughs) We decided we don't like math. Math is not my thing. So, this episode, we talked about starting the conversation. On our next episode, we're going to talk about what emotions are saying to you or to your loved one. If you like what you're hearing, or you know of someone who could benefit from our podcast, please tell them. Our number one goal is to start a conversation about mental illness, and you can help continue that conversation by simply talking about it. Share your story
0: and make a difference.